0: Oh, I'm, I'm sorry, sir. I don't mean to correct you, but it's formula. Eh. <laughs> Howdy, you're listening to Come and Take It, a talk show about Texas by Texans, where three friends born and raised in the Lone Star State share views on the history, culture, and just what it means to be Texan. I'm Mike Zolkowski. I'm Sean McIver. And I'm Scott Elfstrom. He's stubborn, forthright, and has a sense of fair play. He's been called a true gentleman, and yet pushed a man into a bed of tulips on national television. He's insulted an entire nation's favorite auto race, and then dominated the winner circle. Today we're talking about Houston's own A.J. Foyt. But first, what's your favorite country that can fit inside the borders of Texas? Now, I'm going to steal this one from Scott, because I know it's going to break his heart. It's got to be the Czech Republic. Easily fits well within the borders of Texas and Kalachis. In fact, we could probably draft some legislation, fence off a little area of Texas in the middle, and just have the entire Czech Republic just move right in and then just set up a <laughs> giant Kalachi factory there. And say, you know, if it had us
1: Kalachi and Krablak, then that would be great.
0: That would be great. <laughs>
1: Well, since it would be cheating to say the Republic of Texas, um I'll just say Liechtenstein because I like the name. It's a tiny little country with a wonderful name. Liechtenstein. Liechtenstein.
0: It's fun to say.
2: <laughs> Liechtenstein. Well, well, Scott picked my answer. So I'm going to go with Wakanda.
0: Wakanda forever. Wakanda forever. forever.
2: <laughs> Wakanda forever.
0: <laughs> but here's the thing. Uh I almost went with Switzerland because I was like, look at these delicious tiny chocolates. And they're like, <laughs> this knife has 50 different things in it. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, my second answer uh, would be Latveria.
1: But um, <laughs> I thought that was a little too nerdy. Deep can that, can that be cuts. Your, your favorite nation, though? <laughs>
0: what can I say? I like Doom. Doom. Victor von Doom. Anthony Joseph Foyt Jr. was born in Houston, Texas on January 16, 1935. To Anthony Foyt Sr. and Emma Evelyn Monk Foyt. Anthony Sr. was an a mechanic who raced open-wheel midget cars as a hobby. The father was eager to instill his love of racing in his son and built him a toy car powered by a lawnmower engine when young A.J. was only five. A few years later, when A.J. was only 11 years old, his parents returned from a race to find that Foyt Jr. had driven the family's other race car in the yard and caused the engine to catch fire. While he was furious, Tony Sr. couldn't help but notice his son's passion.
2: Foyt eventually dropped out of high school to become a mechanic and focus on racing, like his dad. His father bought him a used Oldsmobile when he got his license, and A.J. Jr. souped up the car with the mechanical skills he'd developed while working on his father's other cars. As much as he might have encouraged A.J. Jr.'s skills on the track,
1: Tony quickly put an end to his son's street racing. Foyt began racing officially by the time he was 18, driving a midget car owned and maintained by his father. His first official win in the league came four years later in 1957 at a 100-lap event in Kansas City. He finished that season seventh in overall point standing. It was also the last year that he raced only midgets, now also racing in sprint and indie cars, which are just different classes and sizes of
0: race cars. Voigt began his sprint car career at the age of 21 in 1956. On August 24th, he outqualified qualified a field of 42 drivers at the Minnesota State Fair, and the next day won his very first sprint car race. He then went on to win the IMCA feature at the Red River Fair in Fargo, North Dakota, in June of 57, and later the same year he won at Salem, Indiana. This victory brought him to the attention of the more prestigious USAC, or the United States Auto Club and he would switch to working with them later that season. Foyt went on to win the USAC Eastern Championship in 1960 and continued to race sprint cars even after he would go on to establish himself as a top Indy car driver. And sprint cars were the cars with the great big sail on the
2: top. 1960 and 61, Foyt won the Turkey Night Grand Prix, which was a midget car race held on Thanksgiving night, obviously, in Los Angeles. In 1961, he also won the Hutt 100, which was another 100-lap race. This one he started last, and he again finished 7th in points that year. In 1970, he won his hometown race, the Astro Grand Prix, which I assume was at the Astrodome. And in 1975 and 76, he won the Australian Speedcar Grand Prix. Uh, speed car is what they call midget cars in Australia. He ended his midget car career with 20 wins, and even after going on to more prestigious forms of racing... A.J. Foyt would occasionally appear at
1: smaller local events to thank promoters who'd helped him early on in his career. In 1958, Foyt was introduced to the Indianapolis 500, the most famous IndyCar race, and it was quite traumatic. His friend and mentor, Pat O'Connor, was killed in a first-lap, 15-car pileup. Foyt later confessed he kept telling himself not to look at the wreck because he was sure his friend had had died in the crash. But after he came around the track and approached the fiery mess for the second time, he couldn't help but take a look. What he saw stuck with him even 60 years later. He said, I figured maybe I better go back to Texas. It's a little bit too rough for A.J. Foyt. I had come from little racetracks, nothing like this. My biggest dream was to qualify for this race. Here, I qualified in 1958 for the first time, and all of a sudden, it turned into a major disaster. I decided I don't
0: know about this. Of course, Foyt didn't go back to Texas. Instead, he began his meteoric rise to IndyCar fame. In 1961, Foyt would become the first driver to successfully defend his points championship and win the Indianapolis 500. That race was something of an epic, with a refueling malfunction and a late pit stop. Foyt's car didn't have enough gas to complete the race. But unaware of this fact, his close competitor Eddie Sachs pushed his own car too hard to keep up with Foyt. With only three laps to go, Saks had to pit due to a shredded tire. Foyt also pitted again, but only long enough to get just enough fuel to cross the finish line. He took the lead and beat Sax by only 8.28 seconds, the second closest finished in history at the time. This was not the first or last race that Foyt would win by as much his strategy and cunning as through his driving skill. In 1964, Foyt
2: had a contract with Ford for stock car racing, and he approached Ford officials with the idea to race their reserve Indy car at the Indy 500. Talks broke down when Foyt insisted on having use of the car for a full month to practice. The the company proved hesitant in this case, as they actually needed it as a reserve vehicle for their other two drivers. So, Foyt stuck with his existing Offenhauser-engined car. He won Ten of 14 races that season, including the Indy 500, even though that victory was tinged with tragedy. Both of Ford's cars fell out of the race with mechanical problems. A.J.'s friend and rival, Parnelli Jones, was knocked out when his fuel tank exploded during a pit stop. Ford easily won, but what is most memorable from the race was a second-lap crash that killed drivers Dave McDonald and A.J. Ford's friend, Eddie Sykes, who was the man who lost the Indy 500. Back in 61. Now, Foyt was unaware of the deaths until he reached the victory lane and was handed a
1: newspaper with a headline announcing the tragedy. Well, that's a bummer of a way to find something out like that. Foyt famously could race under almost any circumstances. At the Milwaukee 200 Mile Championship car race in August 1965, his rear-engined Lotus pavement car didn't arrive in time. So he just unloaded the Offenhauser dirt track car he had and used the day before to win a 100-mile race at Springfield. After hosing off the mud and swapping to pavement tires, he ran that car in the race, leading for 18 laps and only losing to Gordon Johncock because he had to replace a tire toward the
0: end of the race. The 1967 Indianapolis 500 took two days to complete when it had to be stopped for rain on the 18th lap of the first day. Parnelli Jones' famous turbo car was expected to easily defeat the rest of the field of piston engines, and he actually lapped the field but with only three laps remaining, his car died, leaving Foyt with the lead. Entering the fourth turn, Foyt's instincts kicked in, and he slowed his car down. A few hundred yards ahead, exiting the turn, he saw one car spin out, triggering a five-car crash. Slowly, Foyt threaded his way through the wreck and came out the other side to win the checkered flag. He's a he's a witch. He's a witch. <laughs> Burn the witch.
2: <laughs> <laughs> he's got Spidey sense. Yeah, he does. He's got Foyt cents. Okay. Foyt cents. Forty cents. <laughs> AJ Foyt, if you want to come on our show and talk about my, your Foyt 40 cents.
0: My Foyt cents is tingling. In
2: the 1977 Indy 500, Foyt had to make a pit stop after running out of fuel. He ended up having to make up 32 seconds to catch up with leader Gordon Johncock. Taking a risk, Foyt turned the boost up from his turbo to dangerous levels in order to have that chance and he risked destroying his engine. John Cox's engine ended up being the one to fail, though. Foyt closed within eight seconds, and both drivers had a final pit stop. He passed John Cock for
1: the win. At the 1981 Michigan 500, Foyt nearly lost his arm in an accident. It took a while to get back to full fitness, but he qualified for third at the Indy 500 that same year. Foyt raced in every Indy car season from 1957 to 1992, 35 years. He started in 374 races, more than 10 per year, finishing in the top 10 almost two-thirds of the time, with 201 top 10 finishes. He won almost a fifth of every race he entered with 67 total wins.
0: Foyt was the first man to win the Indianapolis 500 four times in 1961, 64, 67, and in 77, a feat that has been achieved by both Al Unser and Rick Mears, but has never been surpassed. He also won the IndyCar Series seven times, a record he still holds. However, Foyt's IndyCar career did not pass without controversy. In the 1982 Indy 500, he started out on the front row, but was hit in a wreck when second-year driver Kevin Cogan spun out. Seven cars were involved in the resulting accident, including Foyt and Mario Andretti. Andretti was unable to continue the race, though, and Foyt managed to get his car repaired and back on the track, though he was quite livid. When asked in a TV interview what happened, Foyt shouted, quote, I don't know. He just ran right squared and I'm like, <laughs> I'm left front.
2: In a 1990 kart race, which is championship auto racing team. This is a league that split from Indy racing. Foyt's car plowed through a dirt embankment and it seriously injured his legs and his feet. Now this took multiple surgeries and months of therapy to get him back behind the wheel, but he qualified second in the 1991 Indy 500. This is a person who had been racing for 30-plus years at this point. Yeah, He announced his retirement before the race, but he changed his mind, and he returned for a 35th consecutive start
1: in 1992, finishing ninth. So we've just been talking about his Indy racing, uh, which is what he's best known for. But, um, you know, A.J. Poyt would pretty much race anything with wheels. So, in any way. Uh, yeah. So we're going to talk about some more of his racing career here. In 1967, in 1967, Foyt won the prestigious 24 Hours of Le Mans in his first and only attempt. He became the uh, member of the first and only team of all-American victors, car team and driver. Before the race, he'd angered the French by famously saying that the notoriously fast and dangerous course was, quote, nothing but
0: a little old country road. (laughs) Foyt drove a Ford GT40 Mark IV, entered by Carroll Shelby's team. He was partnered with Dan Gurney, but Gurney overslept and missed a driver change in the middle of the night, which forced Foyt to drive a double stint. Foyt ended up driving almost 18 hours of the 24-hour race. 18 years later, he would drive Porsches to win the 12 Hours of Sebring and the 24 Hours of Daytona, making him one of only 12 drivers in the world to ever win the Triple Crown of endurance racing. If you've uh, if you've ever seen
2: the amazing Steve McQueen movie Le Mans, he's driving a Ford <laughs> tt 40 that's pretty much very similar to what. Uh, yeah, uh, it's 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 a classic race car. Yeah, no, and I mean, it's and it's based on and it is based on that movie is based on the 1970 24 hour Le Mans race. So, yep. if you're familiar at all, that's that's.
0: Now I'm going to give you a little inside baseball, listeners, and let you know that Sean can tell you. About the number of bogeys on a tiger tank, and he can tell you all kinds of things yeah. about World War II weaponry and planes. And he knows lots <laughs> of stuff about obscure Texas history. And he has a deep love of movies. Not a car guy.
2: Not a car guy. Drove no. a Taurus. Just saying. <laughs> yeah, but but go watch Steve McQueen in <laughs> Lamont. It's, it's a great and movie, and I, I think it's I think the character's a lot of a lot based on, uh, Correct. on uh. It's a lot. It's a lot based on AJ Ford, and actually McQueen was friends with AJ Ford. So, along with uh, uh, Bruce Lee. Anyway, so Floyd had an impressive stock car career too. We already talked about how he was driving stock cars for Ford. He was a USA champion in 1968, 1978, 1979. He finished second in 1963 and 1969, and third in 1970. He had already been racing for eight years when he started his NASCAR career in 1964, and after only 10 races, he got his first victory there. Now, Richard Petty, who is a NASCAR legend, was dominating the Firecracker 400 until he had engine problems. Foyt and Bobby Isaac traded the lead for the remaining 50 laps, with Foyt taking the victory only on the
1: last lap. In 1965, Foyt ran ahead of the pack with Dan Gurney and Parnelli Jones at the Motor Trend 500. Parnelli had mechanical issues and dropped out, leaving Gurney and Foyt to duel it out. Late in the race, AJ spun out. He managed to get his car restarted and charged through the pack to regain his lost spot. Then Foyt's brakes failed, entering a turn at the end of a mile-long downhill straightaway, and he turned into the infield going at more than 100 miles per hour. He was launched off an embankment, dropped into a lower area, slammed into another embankment, and was sent tumbling end over end several times. The track doctor pronounced Foyt dead, but Parnelli Jones revived him after seeing movement in his front. Foyt suffered severe chest injuries, a broken back, and a fractured ankle in that crash.
0: Yeah. Um, And he was
2: driving again the next week.
0: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I know, it's crazy. A few years later in 1971, Foyt was winning the Daytona 500, but he ran out of gas near the end. The next year, he won the race and dominated, being only one of three drivers to hold the lead at all during the race, which is fairly unusual for that race. His final win for points came in 1978, but he would continue to race NASCAR for 17 years. In 1988, he was banned for six months and fined $20,000, for incidents that occurred at the Winston 500. According to observers, he uh, he was involved in a, he was hit on the track, and then uh, he was black flagged several times for driving too fast in pit lane and then trying to run over some officials and then almost hitting an official. Uh, it was bad behavior. This ban was later reduced to just two months, but the fine was increased to $35,000. Foyt's last gasp at NASCAR was the 1994 Brickyard 400. The 59-year-old finished 30th, four laps behind the winner, 23-year-old Jeff Gordon. He attempted to qualify for the race in 95 and 96, but didn't quite make the cut. As it would prove he could drive anything with four wheels, Foyt raced three times in the NASCAR truck series, but his best finish was only 18th. So with Foyt's racing career over, uh, he moved back into
2: owning cars and building race cars. Of course, even while he was driving, he looked ahead and he'd partnered with a businessman from Kalamazoo named Jim Gilmore to own his own car and race under the Gilmore Foyt racing name. After retiring from driving, he remained an owner as AJ Foyt Enterprises with cars first in the kart series and then later the Indy Racing League and in NASCAR. His team won the Indy Racing League title in 96 and 98 And his driver won the Indianapolis 500 in 1999, and this put him in the
1: winner's circle for a record fifth time. A.J. Foyt's fiery personality was not diminished just because he'd stopped driving and races and started managing. In 1997, one of his drivers was declared winner of the inaugural IRL race at the Texas Motor Speedway. But Dutch driver Ari Lewendyk disputed the win, claiming the USAC, again the U.S., United States Auto Club had made a scoring error. Lewendijk entered Victory Lane after the race to confront and cuss out Texas Motor Speedway general manager Eddie Gossage over the finish. Foyt came up behind Lewendijk and slapped him and shoved him, ironically enough, since he was Dutch, into a tulip bed. After a review of the race requested by Lewendike, the USAC actually reversed this decision and declared Lundike the winner. The IRL relieved the USAC of its scoring duties over the incident. But despite the official reversal, uh, Foyt kept the trophy that his driver
0: had been awarded in victory lane. Good for you, A.J. Foyt. There's lots of stories of A.J. Foyt and his interactions that abound, as does the respect he earned over his decades-long career. Mario Andretti, fellow competitor, said, He was the yardstick you measured yourself against when I was coming up. If you were going to win a race, you had to go through him. One way to evaluate your wins is by who you beat. If you won and Foyt was second, that was a cause for celebration. And if you finished second to Foyt, that wasn't a bad day either.
2: Now, in a story he told about himself, Foyt talked about the first time he won in a Champ dirt car in Sacramento. He said, I was running second and a rock hit me and I thought it broke my arm. I kind of laid my arm down and was driving with one hand. That's the first time I ever thrilled myself in a car race bad. You know, a lot of these race drivers say they've never been scared. I tell you what, they're so full of shit. There wasn't a race at one time or another. I didn't thrill the he- hell out of myself. And they sit there and
1: say, i never been scared. Why are they lying to the public? Give me a break. They're just talking to themselves. Bob Riley tells the time in the early 1970s when Foyt first sat in the brand new Coyote car that Riley had just designed for him and realized the cockpit was so tight he couldn't reach the gear shift lever. Riley was sure his fledgling career as a race car designer was over before it began, but Foyt just said, oh, don't worry about it, I'll shift with my left hand, meaning that he would have to reach across his body to shift gears
0: while going over 200 miles an hour. Foyt has been married to his wife Lucy since 1956. Together they raised three children, A.J. third, Jerry, and Terry. His grandson, A.J. Foyt IV, is a former racer who now works for his father-in-law, Indianapolis Colts owner Jim Ursay. Foyt is also the grandfather, through his daughter Terry, of another racer, Larry Foyt. In addition, he is also the godfather of driver John Andretti, son of Mario. When he's not busy with the racing season, A.J. Foyt spends time at the family ranches. The Foyt Ranch is located in Hockley, Texas, and another ranch in Brackettville, Texas, as we talked about in our famous Alamo the Movie episode. The A.J. Foyt Racing headquarters is just up the road from Hockley in Waller, which is not far off Interstate 290 near the buc Foyt is one of those uncontested legends of sports like so many other Texans. Even decades after retiring, he holds records that no one has been able to touch and it doesn't look like that's going to end anytime soon. Yeah. Um AJ Foyt um was a name that was
1: mentioned a lot when I was a kid. Um I one of my most endearing memories of my toys as a kid was a Tonka brand AJ Foyt Indy car. Um had a little AJ Foyt race driver that went in it and uh loved that little thing. Um something that wasn't mentioned before was that, uh, AJ Foyt's, the color of his cars was a unique, uh, coyote orange is what it's been called. Um, it's a very unique color. And, uh, I don't know, maybe that's the reason I like orange so much. Don't know. Could be. But, uh, Just thinking about that reminds me I need to go dig through the old uh, toy barrel at my parents' house the next time I'm down there. See if (laughs) I've still got that somewhere. My
0: wife's family is – she's from Ohio, and her family for years would go every year to the Indy 500. And sometimes they'd they'd even stay on the infield and and RVs and the whole nine yards. So I've been to the Indy 500 a few times. And I will say that uh, if you're a fan of like – like Indy car racing is – absolutely mind-blowing. It's just so fast. Like you just, your mind can't really wrap around what, how fast those cars are and, and loud. Uh, and, and he was just, he's an exceptional, you know, just pillar of the sport. And the fact that you get in one of those cars and you qualify, and you're able to do that 35 years in a row with a broken back and a broken arm and messed up feet. (laughs) I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's just absolutely impressive. The physical stamina and links that he went to, to, to get behind the wheel of a race car.
1: Yeah. Um, you know, and it kind of reminds me, you know, talking about his career and, you know, how long he raced and, and, you know, into his later years, it kind of parallels, uh, the other Texas legend, um, Nolan Ryan, you know, um, extended career, um, impressive records that, no one has been able to beat, um, you know, Texas sports. <laughs> you know, uh, I, I mean, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just. The, there seems to be some parallels there in in both character and uh, just pure uh, tenacity to mm-hmm. compete for so long and at such a high level.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, if you go and you look at his at all the races that he raced in and. You can you go onto lots of websites and see the different races he was in, the different cars that he drove. Like some of these cars just look insane. Like, and they're like, they're like six feet long, you know, and, and like one feet yeah, wide. The, the cars
0: are always incredible. We talked in there.
2: driving two hundred miles. Two hundred miles an hour plus. I mean, what well,
0: was crazy is they talked about that turbo car, and at Indy, and the thing about that car is is that 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 car. Basically, somebody took a jet engine, I think, out of a helicopter and just put it in, in a IndyCar car frame. So they figured out how to get it inside the rules, and they they changed the rules right after that race. It'd be like you, you have to use a piston engine. It's just not fair. Um, and the and the only reason that that car didn't win was because like it it basically broke towards the end. But you know, outside of like somebody literally like racing an airplane against a race car. Uh, <laughs> you know, there's a there's a lot of of heart and skill that goes into these these guys who are these amazing drivers, and it just doesn't matter what you put him in. He just seemed to win. My my favorite story is just the fact is like, well, car's not here, so let's just wash off this muddy thing that we ran on the dirt track, and we'll just put some slicks on it and take her out on the track.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And is like, cars and cars and racing car. is racing. Yeah, like I'm amazed. Yeah, I'm amazed at the notion that he asked for a month that, for that uh, for the Indy race with the Ford with the Ford chassis. It's like, when did you have time to practice? You were racing, <laughs> you were doing other the races. <laughs> hey, there's, there's a dirt race over here. I'd better go race that. You got the Indy tomorrow, so I'm practicing.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's it's pretty it's pretty <laughs> insane. Like the kind of 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 amount just just the amount of mileage that that this guy put on on the planet, uh, is so impressive.
2: Yeah. It's just amazing. Uh, yeah, he did. I mean, he, he's like, well, I'm going to go to Lamont
0: and they have a different type of racing completely. (laughs) We're going to go for 24 (laughs) hours. Yeah. It's 24 hours without stopping. And it's not like, well, it's not like driving, like, well, we're going to drive from Houston to Cleveland and back in one day. Like it's, it's 24 hours of just like breakneck speed. Well, it, he did he did three years of
2: the uh yeah. formula one you know which is which is you know completely different than any no, racing i'm, I'm sorry so. sir, i don't mean to
0: correct you but it's formula uh. <laughs> uh, <yes>. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah
0: well, well yeah, and we, we you know but we had two is you look at this story and it's like okay midget cars champ cars street cars you go you know every you know indie cars formula One cars, like all of those kinds of class- there's so many different classifications and types of cars it's just it's impressive that they did and just said, you know, I'm just going to drop out of high school, start wrenching racing cars, and uh you know or mm-hmm. you know or die trying and and this was a you know it's a tragedy when there, when people die racing, but you look at these historic races in these times and you know, you think about the cars of today. Like, they were able to get the kind of horsepower in the cars, but you had brake fade, you had you know limited safety equipment, you had tracks that weren't designed to handle some of this stuff, and and you know, people put took their lives in their hands every day for a very long time, and it's a, it's a super dangerous thing. So, not only to excel, but but to excel and survive a number of 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 incidences is just really impressive. Yeah, it's like AJ to me, like the giants of of
2: racing, IndyCar racing, or, or, you know, A.J. Foyt, Mario Andretti, Al Unser. Those are the names that even though I don't follow the sport, you know who those people are. You know, it's just like a NASCAR. You know who Richard Petty... I, I, I didn't know that A.J. Foyt, Foyt did NASCAR. Today, you don't have a lot of drivers going between styles of racing. You, have, you may have yeah.
1: a lot of different stock car Or Yeah, or I, remember what a big, I remember what a big deal it was when uh, Danica Patrick, you know made the the transition from uh nascar to formula one or was it the other way
0: she went to she went to nascar but yeah. yes. well anyway
1: yeah but you know yeah. still you just don't i don't know i'm not i'm not a big race you know auto racing fanatic but it it still seems like that's notable these days that that just mm-hmm. doesn't happen a lot
2: well you don't you don't see it at the top at, in the, at the as the, in the winner circle like you don't yeah. see yeah you may see a racer go from NASCAR to Formula or Formula to NASCAR, but they don't generally win. And like Foyt, he won the Indy 500 and he won the Daytona 500. You know, he won the Winston Cup. You know that—that's the thing. Is like he was—he was the best at just driving. Well, just, this is if he could, if you had engine and wheels. Yeah. He'd drive and I
0: think it. the thing is that that you look at this is it's a it's a very. Interesting club, and he sits amongst the you know the pantheon. And in the most important part of the story is the fact that we like he's a native Houston boy, and you know this is a tough Texas kid that went off uh, into the world of auto racing and just uh, made his mark no matter what. And uh, you know, <clears throat> a bit of a didn't take crap off anybody either, uh, <laughs> and the fact that he you know well, had, had okay, a few so- incidents over the over a pretty uh, celebrated career. So, Mike, I'm going to give you one more thing that will oh, no. really warm your heart to this guy. 1975,
2: 76, and 1976, and 1976-77, he was first place in the international race oh, of champions. Wow. We
0: didn't even which, cover that one. Which Rock. the IROC? You driving a Chevy all Camaro? Those, for those who don't know, all those. I, I've owned a few Camaros <laughs> over the years, and I'm not embarrassed about the fact. Like you know. You indeed had an in IROC. Party in the front and the rear. Uh, <laughs> that is what the Camaro says. <clears throat> these guys, you know, they are still here. Their kids are still here. The The teams and the spirit they've brought to it are still here. It's uh, If you haven't been to one of these races, uh, I really recommend, like, especially an Indy race, a modern Indy race. In Texas, we have the Texas Motor Speedway. Uh, it's a fantastic track. In early summer, they do a night race. So the whole track is lit up by by lights. And these aren't small tracks. You know, the the Indianapolis 500 track is is two and a half miles around. So you think, oh, well, it's going to take them a while to get two and a half miles around. And it's certainly going to take them a long time to drive 500 miles. Well, not when they're going 215 miles an hour. Like, then, it, then it goes pretty fast. And it's just really something to, it's kind of like getting to see a plane take off of an air carrier, aircraft carrier, or getting to watch like a space shuttle launch, or getting to see something that is an event with half a million people and just thousands of horsepower, just all going at the same time and everybody just giving. It's, it's something to experience that is visceral. And he got up and did this every day. And he would do it at a little tiny dirt track for 150 people that were watching, or he would do it, you know, for a million, millions of people watching on TV. It's, it's just, it's so impressive. Yep. Um, I was going to highlight too, is that I do, I do remember being a kid and coming through Houston and I don't know why I have these, you have these weird memories of things. And it's like, I do remember seeing an AJ Foyt like dealership somewhere and just being like, Wow. <laughs> As a kid, like, <laughs> I knew who that is. Like, that's a famous person who owns a car dealership. That must be really famous.
1: AJ <laughs> Foyt, one of the best uh, auto racers of all, uh, of all time. And he's Texan. We claim him.
2: Well, I- I'm amazed that he's still alive.
0: Al Unser's still alive. Mario Andretti's still alive. Mario Andretti will, there's actually a, they'll do a celebrity, the Indy 500, they'll do, they have a special two-seater car that's built like a fighter jet with a front and a rear seat in the cockpit. And Mario Andretti does, like, has, will do, sometimes has done, like, some celebrity laps. So, they'll put a celebrity or somebody in the back, and then they'll, he'll run a lap at speed.
2: Yeah. in (laughs) In that car.
0: There's no, there's not a lot of traffic or anything, and it's not for, like, yeah. Hours, it's just you know you do a pull a couple of laps with Mario Andretti at the wheel, you know you can end it right there because even if you do die doing that, <laughs> you know you've lived more in, you've lived more in ten minutes than most people live in a lifetime.
2: Yeah, um, you would not catch me of those cars.
0: Oh my God, you you I can't even get you to eat a salad without like ooh, <laughs> is there you know is <laughs> what kind of gluten are we talking about today? <laughs> 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 yeah, so if you, if you want to know about racing in the
2: 70s, 60s and 70s, go watch the movie Le Mans. Amazing. That a, uh, it's a great movie.
0: That wraps things up for today. You can find notes and links from today's show at BrainStable.com We'd love to hear from you, so like and share us on Facebook, follow the show on Twitter at Texas Podcast, or go to BrainStable.com and leave some feedback. You can find our show and many other great history podcasts at HistoryPodcast.com You can follow us individually, too. I'm on Twitter at MrJava. I'm Max Shaw with two N's. And I'm Scotticus. We'd like to thank our good friend James Abendroth for helping us to research and write this episode. You can find him on Twitter and Instagram at Blackguard Press, and find his fiction work at blackguardpress.com. Now, if you love this show, and of course you do, and if you know that Rubbin' is racing, go out there and tell all your good friends and a few of your enemies to go and leave a review on iTunes about how great Come and Take it is. It helps us to find listeners just like you. And if you'd like to support the show financially, please visit patreon.com slash texaspodcast, where you too can become a come and take it Texas Ranger. We hope you'll join us next time. And remember that even if you aren't from Texas, Texas wants you anyway.